Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast given a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, weeping postule. <laughs> and joining us tonight, he is a director of music videos and commercials and also a director of Contracted Phase 2. You also know him from the podcast Fear Initiative, it's Mr. Josh Forbes. Josh, hello. Hey, hey guys, how are you doing? Very well, Josh, thank you. And uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, this is, um, of course. Yeah, this is a gutsy move. Now, we always say thank you for doing this to all of our guests, but I think particular thank you to you because this is our first ever self-defense episode. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've kind of talked about how we wouldn't exactly know how to handle it or how strange it would be if somebody brought on a film that they were involved in. So when we talked to you about picking a film for this and you said you wanted to do your own film, Contractive Phase 2, um, <laughs> um, yeah. we had a conversation about what to do with that and we decided to push on. Well, because your, your pitch to me was what that it's, that it's like a bad movie that you like that you're defending and so i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of movies that 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 are bad that i love but i feel like they're all movies that everybody love you know like like the visitor or like um or the room or like i mean the room's <laughs> not a horror movie or is it but you know there's a, there's a lot of you know or ninja three the domination like there's these movies that are so bad but it's like you know there's something fun about it but like or but then there's also movies that are just bad and that we could all agree are bad you know, like Critters 3 and 4 or something like that. <laughs> but it's but then I'm, I was just thinking, and I'm like, well, I made a movie that I don't think anybody likes, or I think some people like it, but I think, you know, I think it kind of got just brushed under the carpet. Like, my mom won't watch it. Mm-hmm. I feel like most people I know haven't seen it. But there's a lot about it that I think is good. <laughs> you know, it's definitely not, uh, it's not Avengers Endgame or whatever, but it's... <laughs> There's there there are some good things in there that I that I'm proud of. So I, I thought maybe I would uh, yeah try and stand up and <laughs> rattle my saber or whatever. <laughs> well, do you know what? I'm going to start this right, and I'm going to immediately take my position in Josh's corner here because I actually quite liked Contracted too. This is the first time I've seen it. Same. I had seen Contracted, um, and at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was very in my wheelhouse, very much the kind of stuff that I personally also make. And mm-hmm. I thought, I don't know why, it just, uh, I think it's very much what you've just said, Josh. It's one of those things that's kind of, it's been brushed under the carpet. It's kind of been overlooked or kind of just almost misplaced. But I'm gl- I'm really glad, I- I'm actually really glad I've seen it. And I, I think it, I-, I-, I liked Contracted when I saw it. And I, I really liked this one as well. I don't see, um, I don't see why it- more people haven't seen it. Well, it's so weird because the first one is very serious. It's very dour. The, I feel like the pitch for the first one is really strong. Mm-hmm. I feel like the execution of it is like 70% on point. Okay. Um, okay. Like I am not a fan of Eric England. I guess I could just go ahead and say I think he's a douchebag. Uh, okay. I don't know. I've tried talking to him a couple times and he just he always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And then when our movie got released, he endlessly retweeted bad reviews and right. um, 
so we are not we are not uh, friendly. Sure. Um, I mean, it was obviously going to be something that we were going to kind of have to mention. Uh, yeah. I suppose, and obviously, anyone who follows news within the genre has seen the stuff that came out about Eric, and um, mm-hmm. obviously, stuff that yeah. was never addressed on his part, and it's stuff that right. was very much still up in the air. So, something we were going to just well, touch, touch it, on anyway. Yeah. So, how did you become involved with Contracted Two then? So I. I mean, I got an email or I got a text from a friend saying, hey, do you want to do a sequel to a straight-to-video horror movie? And I was like, yes, of course. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. What are you, crazy? And so it was through these two guys, these two young producers named JD and Rafi, and they run a company called Boulder Light, and they are incredibly young. I feel like they're now probably like 25, but at the time they were like 22. Okay. Um, okay. They're real go-getters. They're really scrappy. They're really like, they're they're amazing in that sense. So I think Eric had either made the movie on his own or had got. I think he got halfway there, and then they somehow got him financing. Right. And so they financed his first movie for probably not a lot of money, and then because it did so well on Netflix and such, you know, X Y Z wanted to see if they could crank out a sequel. Right. Yeah. And so, um, like, I first got a call from them saying. So, so, you know, so I had this friend who somehow knew them, and then they got in touch with me, and they had a call where they were like, hey, do you want to do a sequel to Contracted? And I was like, yes, it's my favorite movie. Um, having, <laughs> okay. Having never seen it, I'd only, I, saw the po- you know, I saw the poster and I saw the trailer, <laughs> and I, was, I thought the trailer looked pretty cool. I was like, oh, damn, like these guys kind of figured out this sort of like mumblecore horror thing. And then I was like, yeah, of course, I would love to do that. And they're like, well, do you have any ideas? And I was like, yes, let me get back to you. And so then I watched the movie and then I jotted down a bunch of ideas of like, okay, sexual, you know, STDs turn into zombies. Like, what's the next step? Like, My, my immediate thought was like, oh, spring break. Like, let's get like, <laughs> you know, I'm blanking on the, the big guy's name, you know, the, the fat friend that's like the quirky one who's now on like a CSI show. I was like, let's get him. He's the best part of the first movie. Let's take him to the, somewhere else. And like, then he's a party guy and he gets somebody, you know. Right. Yeah. And then somehow like it gets uh, combined with some drug because they're, you know. Let's make Spring Breakers with zombies. Yeah, was my pitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why not? That sounds cheap. <laughs> and so, so then I, you know, the next day, because they needed it as soon as possible, I, I had written like a whole outline and was like, all right, here's my movie. And they were like, "Oh, too late. We already got we already got somebody to write it." I was like, "Okay, fine." Because oh yeah, because they didn't have a script at that time. It was just like they just wanted an idea. Okay, <laughs> which is kind of insane. But anyway, so then like six months went by, and then a script got written, and then I read it. You know, they sent it to me, and I read it. You know, I read like the first few pages and was like, "Yeah, this is great. It has there's zombies in it? Let's do it." And then they were like, "Oh, we found somebody else." And then that person probably quit because like their schedule was insane and they didn't have any money so then it came back to me and and um yeah i mean i'm making a longer more boring version of the story than needs to be but yeah eventually i was like cool let's do it and they you know it's the sort of thing where my music video training and my commercial training like totally set me up for it because it's like there's so it was like so many setups and so many locations and so many like effects and like Mm -hmm you know, action sequences and all this stuff that we were not, you know, you should not be doing on a budget of our size. Mm-hmm. But because of my experience, I'm like, yeah, I got this. Like I, you know, cause we really, I had a week from reading the script to standing on set oh, and shit. calling action. Wow. Yeah. And Fuck. so, so, you know, so typically you, you know, 
I like to previs everything. I like to cast everything. That was the thing too, was like a lot of it was cast. I mean, Matt Mercer was already, already locked in and we went and found, you know, our character, uh, you know, so we got Morgan Peter Brown because he was taking over for um, Simon Butter. Yeah, for Simon Barrett. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so it was that sort of thing. But it was like, you know, there, there were a couple big, I was able to make a few changes. I had, so let me tell you my pitch for wh- how I wanted the movie to end. Because right now it ends in a hot, or yeah, it ends in a hospital, which yeah. is insane. Yeah, right, yeah. The whole he- ending makes no sense to me. Like, the whole idea of him having machine guns and having a bomb strapped to his chest, I was like, <laughs> what? It- I'm like, what is this movie? Like, what? I'm like, this is a supposed to be a biological... Terrorist, some thing. kind of bio-terrorist. Like, yeah, the whole thing is that this guy can kill the world with his dick. Like, he doesn't <laughs> need guns. You know what I mean? Well, that's the like dream. That- yeah, isn't that the dream? Isn't that what Kendrick Lamar said, you know? <laughs> All my life, I want money and power. I wish my dick was as big as the Eiffel Tower or whatever. Yeah, so I could fuck the world for 72 hours. Like, that's what we all want. So, like, you don't need, you know, you don't need a gun and a whatever. But it was, but these guys were like, oh, it'll be amazing. Like, no one's seen that in this kind of movie. And I'm like, there's probably a reason for that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, so what was. I feel better about this match. Yeah. Um, so what was your so my, so my pitch was this. So again, it's like we're already going down. We know we're going down crazy town already. Like it, we're, there's not like you know say what you will about the first one. Like there's there's things that I could pick apart about it, but there's an elegance and a simplicity to it that you know is tough to match and 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 doesn't really make sense in a sequel. It's like you know there's a subdued nature to it, and like ours already. You know, this is the aliens to their alien or whatever, if you want to put it that way. Right. So anyway, so so my thing with like they already, as corny as it is for Morgan. Oh oh yeah oh his the character's name is BJ, which mm-hmm. is uh, yeah. su- subtle. <laughs> um, <laughs> so BJ BJ already has like a hooker in the basement or something, or like a dead woman in the basement right, that yeah, comes yeah. back to life. And so I was like, I was really pushing to tease that out. I was thinking like, okay, let's have that be a thing. Let's have him be a guy who collects prostitutes and is making a a, a prostitute zombie army. Okay, that was my <laughs> that was my pitch. It's a lot, you know. It's like on a Tuesday and we're shooting on Friday. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> let's do this. Let's, instead of it, have it be a hospital, let's have it be like a massage parlor. And like Matt Mercer's got to go fight his way through all these zombies to like kill BJ. And I had this whole sequence where like, where Matt gets his hand bit off and then like he shoves a knife into the stump and like tapes it up and he's <laughs> fighting, you know. It was really stupid, but it was so- like, then the Child's Play 2 meets Frankenhooker meets The Raid. Yeah, exactly. That's what I want. <laughs> I mean, that's those are my those are my favorite touchstones. Anyway, so it ended up being this battle in in, in you know in, <laughs> in in a hospital. But I still, you know, I'm proud of the action sequence that we shot. Like these guys really gave it their all. They really like, tr- you know, I mean, they rehearsed with the fight choreographer like they're falling on the ground. Like, they were really in pain, you know? Yeah. And then there's, like, you know, barfing, like, whatever, zombie gook, you know, melted guts out of their mouths. And and then I like, too, how the movie just ends. I mean, the movie is very short. It's, like, it's almost not a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch was concerned uh, about the amount of actual runtime that was uh, given over to Matt Mercer cleaning bathrooms. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I like how, you know, like how it ends. I mean, it's so stupid, but it's, I feel like we pulled it off. Maybe we didn't, but, but just the last moment of, um, 
of Matt step, you know, falling out of frame and then stepping back up, and he's got like a mouthful of uh, Morgan's neck and his, you know, <laughs> yeah. and then it just kind of ends. And then of course, then we have this sort of like I don't know if you got past it, gotcha, but there's like you know the whole like sort of Marvel esque post credit sequence teasing <laughs> more more movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so speaking of Marvel movies, like I have, I just I I feel like having like every movie now is just 30 minutes of, like, punching. Um, and I didn't want that. Uh, obviously, I didn't have that much control of the script, but, like, it was there w- it was something fun to me about, like, okay, boom, the story's over. Like, I think of um, Death Proof is one of my most satisfying endings to a movie. Or not mine, but, like, one of the most satisfying ending- endings to me, where it's, like, she scissor kicks Kurt Russell in the head, and then it's, like, and then, and then it's like the end or whatever. Like the movie's over now. Like the, <laughs> the bad guy's dead. The movie's over. Like we're not just you're done. Like there's we, there's no denouement. There's no nothing. Like let's just get out of here. Yeah. So se- second to a uh, a brothel full of zombie hookers, you know, the hospital. As as insane as it is, it works for me. Another thing to me too about the movie is that as a movie, I don't know how well it works. But if you viewed it as the first episode of a show. Mm-hmm. I think you'd be pretty stoked on it. Like you'd be pretty excited to see where it goes. And that's that's kind of how I approached it. Like it felt to me like shooting a TV show. Right. Because it's like I'm not there in the development of the script. I'm able to put in some input. I'm able to steer the ship a little bit, but it's like the train's leaving the station. This is where we're going and I kind of help get get us there. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, get the best performances I can. And Mariana Polka, I think, is amazing in it or, you know, has really amazing moments. And she's gone on to do big things. Like she has a big, she's on Glow. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's like, and she's like a, a crazy successful director now too. Like probably because of all the things that she learned from watching me. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, normally, you know. normally going into an episode, we tend to be a little bit worried that we're Scottish. We speak a little bit fast. Perhaps for sometimes borderline incomprehensible, but um, within <laughs> two minutes of seeing Mariana on screen, I was like, "Ah, oh, he's not going to have a problem with this. He's not going to have a problem oh, with right. Scottish accents." <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that was just a funny choice where it was like, "She's like, oh, I can do an American accent," and I'm like, I'm "Like, why? Why? Like, it's cool. <laughs> let's let's do it. Like, let's you know, let's embrace." some of these things that would maybe stand out in another movie. Like, let's just go for it. Yeah. Obviously, like say, you know, um, you were, you were shooting a script you didn't write. Like (laughs) how much, how much license did you have? I mean, how different is what made it to the screen uh, from what's on the page? Most of it's there. There were a couple things that didn't, you know, it's like you go through and you try and find which nails are sticking up, you know, the highest. And then you try and hammer those down. Like there's, the scene, the the scene we have that where there's like a memorial scene, um, <laughs> where he eats the chip at the the bloody dip or whatever. Like that was originally a um, like a book release party, right? Okay, for for his sister, for Matt's sister, and it made no sense. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, guys, like all their friends are dead, <laughs> like they all got murdered. You know, like even within. You know, with, within the logic of the story, like, all these people have died. Like, this is – you can't just move on to this next thing. And it's also, like, it's all it's it's all dealing with this character that we don't know or care about, like his sister. I mean, I think Laurel did a great job. But it was – there, there was there were a lot of those sorts of things where it's, like, who – like, why would we care about this person? Like, you know, we're moving too fast. We got to, like, reach – you know, 
we kind of have to like reestablish what the world is and where we are. So that that was one where I was like, okay, let's let's have this be a memorial. But then then it makes her gives her more of a character of like, oh wow, she's like promoting her book at this memorial service. Like that's funny or that's yeah. oh, that is you know, funny. Yeah, I actually found a um, lot, I found a lot to laugh at in that scene. Uh, especially I love yeah. the I love the little uh, song for Alice. Yeah. And that was something that I threw in too. I um I don't know where I had this idea of, of yeah like we should we should have somebody singing a song because it's like I think the the first movie feels very L.A. to me okay or like L.A. actors and L.A. people or kind of like sub like sub L.A. like all these people who are struggling to make it. I think I had also seen Starry Eyes at the time, so I was just right, okay. really had that. And, and there's a lot of crossover I think with like if not cast, but just like tone. And so I was like, oh, like, you know, and like Alice, I think, I think, Al- I can't remember. I think Alice was supposed to be an actress in in the first one or something. Yeah, um, oh yeah, I think, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. And so I, ha- that was a thing for me as I was like, oh, like these people are probably pretty shallow and, you know, they're all in their early thirties or late twenties or something. And it's all in LA. Like, let's have them be self-absorbed. So it's like, everybody's going to make an opportunity to be, have it be about themselves. Like, so the sister, she has a book she's promoting. Like, let's have this, let's have somebody else. And then Matt's friend, Dave Holmes, his Dave's boyfriend was Ben who wrote the song. Like I, I had, I, I was like, we need to write a song. And I think there should be something about Alice drink from your chalice. And he was like, <laughs> I got it. And he totally like went with it. I, I think it's oh. really funny when that song reappears over the credits as well. Yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> that was one of those things too, where I'm like, damn, like you know, you make these things and you don't know where they're gonna go, or you don't know who's gonna see it or who's gonna care. But like, there are those little things where I'm like, that's so fucking funny to me. <laughs> um, there was another moment that got cut out. So there's these two guys, um, Chris and Tony. They're barely in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. They're like friends, friends of mine that I've, I've worked with a bunch on stuff. And there was a line where one of them's like, they said something about like. I don't know. She she was in my improv class or something like that. Where it's like, like she like you could tell that these people didn't even know who she was. But it's like, oh, we had an acting class together. Um, <laughs> it made me laugh so hard, but we but it got cut out. Josh, see, before, see, just before we go any further, I'm quite happy to talk about the film and the way that we're doing just now. But uh, there is a possibility that there will be people listening to this who haven't seen the film. Yes. How is that possible? <laughs> um, purely just because uh, we've had like 47 ever, uh, other guests on the show and we've made them all do it. Um, yeah. We're going to get you to the same thing. And he's going to put 30 seconds on the clock. I'm going to count you okay. in. And yeah. um, we're going to look for you to give us your best 30-second synopsis of Contracted Phase 2. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. As much color as you can get. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay, three, two, one, Go. Okay, Contracted Phase 2 is a sequel to Contracted 1, which was about a girl who gets an STD from a mysterious stranger named BJ. And that STD, over the course of the first film, turns her into a zombie. So the first film is basically all the stuff that's too boring for a a zombie movie, they made a movie out of it. Um, (laughs) And in the last five minutes, she turns into a zombie and and then gets, uh, gets shot. And so our movie picks up where... That one ends. Done. Where she, you know, <laughs> we're done. Okay. Well, that one ends. Period. Yeah. Um, that was very much. Uh, that was very much a synopsis of contract. I was going to say. I really feel like right. we should yeah, give. Yeah. I really feel like we should give you thirty more seconds. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Right. Three, two, one. Go again. <laughs> so our movie picks up where the first one ends. Uh, our Matt Mercer, whose character I can't remember his name. Riley. Right now, but 
Riley Riley has had sex with this woman who then turned into a zombie, and uh, maggots fell out of her vagina. So now he has this disease and is slowly turning into a zombie. And over the course of the movie, he's also trying to track down this guy BJ, who is the you know patient zero, the typhoid Mary of, of zombie dick fever. Sure, yeah, I'll do. That's fine. That takes us nicely up to one minute. <laughs> right there we go. Yeah. Uh, so that's the movie. Wow. Yeah, but then there's then there's a detective. Mariana Polka plays a detective who's who's trying to track down this guy who's like kind of a potential serial killer. I guess he is. But then you know that's Riley's so trying, and then Riley's trying to uh, you know trying to stop this disease from happening as he's also trying to stop BJ. And then we have his 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 uh, you know a love interest played by Anna Laurie who's uh, amazing as well. Yeah, I noticed that uh, um, BJ by name, BJ by nature, because I saw Whitney Moore popping up doing that very thing. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Was was and, was Whitney already cast prior, or was that- no? I that was one of my that was, that was something I brought in as well. I love Whitney so much. I met her at Comic Con years ago. I just ran. I'm like I'm a big Birdemic fan. Aren't we all? And, Who isn't? Aren't we all? <laughs> Because she's she's somebody in that movie who sticks out like a sore thumb. Because you're like, oh, like you're attractive and and like pretty good. Like, why are you in this movie? Shit. Um, <laughs> and so you know, so I had ran into her at at, at Comic Con, and she was like, kind of embarrassed. She's like the only like I don't ever take my picture with anyone. Right. But I was very excited to take my picture with her. <laughs> and then it turned out, fast forward a couple of years later, she like she was like best friends with a guy that lives in my building. And so I was like, you know, so I said, can we, can we get Whitney? And they said, sure. So, (laughs) but she's awesome. You know, I just think she's, she's just really cute. And she has a really, she has a great sense of humor. She's just really funny. And there's like an edge to her. So for as long as she's in it here, I think that she's doing good work. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I don't often get to shoot blowjob scenes, so, you know. <laughs> so get your fill. Yeah, it happens all, too, fill, yeah. it happens all too early to us all, if I'm honest with you. Yeah. Uh, um, but Matt's in this as well, Mitch, uh, as we, we had talked about this briefly off-air, but Matt Mercer's in this, and we've had Matt on the show. Yeah, uh-huh. and he's just generally in a lot of stuff that I like, and I, and I think that he's generally good in the things that he's in, and I think that this is no exception. I think that I think he's doing really solid stuff here. Yeah, he was, yeah. I feel like he was kind of underused in the first one. Like, he was kind of this... I don't want to say underused, but I guess underused. Let's go ahead with underused because I already said it. But he he has a weird kind of stalker quality. Like he's not defined <laughs> in the first one. He's just very strange. And so in this one, I wanted to help kind of, I don't know, like because he's the protagonist. So we have to like him. Like mm-hmm. we have to kind of establish, understand why he's that way. So here's another change that happened in the script. Originally, he just was supposed to have a 60-year-old roommate. What? And, yeah, right, that's weird. Yeah, super weird. But I remember, like, I remember having a fight with the producers where they were like, they're like, no, it's great. It's such a weird detail. And I'm like, it's a, I'm like, that's a movie. Like, it's such a weird detail that that is like a premise for an entire other type of movie. You yeah. know, like guy with his old roommate. Like you have, <laughs> you'd have to spend 90 minutes explaining why that is. <laughs> and, I, and they were like, no, you're, you know, you're going to be at Q and A's and people are going to be like, that's so brilliant. And I was like, no, this is what this is. This is the terrible idea that the producer forced on me. <laughs> That then I will be telling people about. <laughs> At this point, I'm like screaming on the phone with the producer. I'm just like, because I was just, it was just so weird. I'm like, can it be his grandma? I'm like, that makes sense for the character. Then it becomes a character thing. Then yeah. it's not just weird for weird sake. Then it becomes, oh, that's why Riley is kind of a milk toast guy. Like, 
he lives with his grandma. That's weird, but also makes him endearing where it's like, you know, okay, maybe he's not, maybe he's not as cool as the rest of the gang, but that's what makes, that's what makes him lovable is that he, he cares for his grandma, you know? And, and, um, I certainly think the character starts off that way. I think, I feel like he, it loses his way, obviously, as he kind of gets deeper into his investigation down the line and he's trying to figure out what's going on. I certainly mm-hmm. feel like he becomes a lot harder and a lot less likable. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was part of it too, is I was like, okay, can we make this, can we make his arc like going from mild mannered kind of loser guy to a badass? Mm-hmm. And. <laughs> And someone who like it's just everything's falling apart. So it's like his judgment is is damaged, and his you know <laughs> whatever. Like now he's wielding guns. And, yeah, I think you know, that I think being that, gross. I think that I'm quite willing to give him a pass for not being at his finest by the end, like personality wise. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm really happy with with our makeup crew too. Like Myera Abeda is. is uh, was kind of the head makeup person and she did the the makeup in the first contracted and then did it in this right. one too and um that was a question i yeah. i had um in my notes is certainly from what you've told me now obviously by the time you came on to onto the project you had very little time for any kind of pre-production or prep so yeah having done very similar levels of makeup and my own stuff mm-hmm. my question was then now going to be how much input if any did you have in that was that all kind of built around you in the background and you just kind of had to go with it um no i mean i think i had i put as much input as i could like i i dug up a lot of research for like you know wounds and and oh yeah that was a big one for me too was like the maggots under his skin oh, yeah. like um I really, I, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, if, you, if your audience wants a treat, go ahead and Google botfly, <laughs> like, bo- botfly Extractions, yeah. Extractions, yeah. I, no, I, I make exactly this kind of disgusting film, and I cannot watch, my wife is obsessed with Dr. Pimple Popper and, and, uh-huh. and botfly extractions, and she'll sit watching that shit for hours and hours and end, and I physically can't do it. Like, I won't. Oh, yeah. I will watch stuff like this but i cannot watch real stuff right get your bot fly extractions away from me (laughs) (laughs) well i remember reading in uh like stephen king has this book called dance macabre oh yeah and you know he he kind of he kind of goes down like the list of you know the sort of horror you try and do and it's like now i'm looking at my bookshelf seeing if i like quickly pull it up but you know the, the 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 highest level is stuff sort of like the shining you know like Stanley Kubrick, like just this unease or this sort of like mythical, just this like terror that, that, you know, and then it's like, if you can't do that, then it's like, you can, you know, you could scare them. And then like, if you can't do that, then like gross them out. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, okay, well, I don't know if we have any other stuff, but like, let's really gross them the fuck out. Yeah. 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 And I certainly, I certainly think you manage that for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> And then the other thing too was really kind of trying to focus on focus on those tiny those tiny aspects of it. So it's like you know maybe you don't have the money to have like Thanos and an army of fucking like insects or whatever, but like you have a fingernail or you have like a fingernail or like a weird zit or trying to take a contact out and then like the eye comes with it. See, that, the, uh, that's yeah. that's something that I find was um, of all the kind of all the various kind of gross things that happen i think that mm-hmm. right at the start after he's been to kind of tested at the doctors and, yeah. he, and he kind of uh and he, he like takes his shirt off and looks in the mirror and when he's um kind of extracts the fingernail from the scratch on his back yeah it's absolutely revolting <laughs> right 
But, um, yeah, I mean, you would immediately call that doctor back and you'd be like, uh, by the yeah. way, I also forgot to mention I've got a suppurating wound on my back. Do you, do you want to just have a quick <laughs> right. a quick once over? Because, I mean, this guy's pretty much family, so I'm sure he's getting some kind of mates rates on the doctor's yeah. treatment. Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to attribute a lot of uh, the quality of the movie to Jonathan Snipes, who did the music. He did the music for um, Starry Eyes, and then to bring it back to The Shining, he did the, the music for Room 237. Oh, yeah. cool. Uh, and he's one of those guys that, like, I, you know, I discovered and was like, oh, my God. Like, the soundtrack to Starry Eyes, I think, is – or to, for both of those movies, it's just so perfect. Like, those, like I'll listen to that all the time. And um, it was real. it was a real push to, like, to get those guys on – or to get him on board, like, mm-hmm. to get the producers to sign off. And I mean, he did it for like such a, a mate's rate. It's like beyond crazy. But like right. he ad- he adds something like because I don't you know I never heard anybody talk about the music anywhere. But like the tone he's able to bring and like there's certain things that he worked into the soundtrack that are really subtle but really cool. Like he um, he has a friend who has all these field recordings of locusts. Okay, like he went on the and he and he like wove them into the into the score. And it's funny too, like I, I wanted, you know, I listened to, Star- I heard Starry Eyes. I was like, oh, like, let's do another John Carpenter-esque, you know, cause that was like hot at that moment. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, let's, let's do that. Let's do another synthy score. Like, let's just, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And he was like, he was not interested. He's like, oh, I want to do something like with black metal. And I'm like, I don't know if I like <laughs> black metal, but like towards the end, there's just a lot of drony metal. Like he got someone to sing, like to scream on it. And mm-hmm. there's all, you know, it's, it's like, it's just funny because for like a throwaway movie, I would like to champion. There's just these, these small touches that, that I think are, are legitimately brilliant. Like the, the score is legitimately like really quality. And then, yeah, like the, there's, there's certain things like that are like, some makeup things or there's a few moments where i'm like this holds up against anything that i that i would like uh, the I, overarching structure of the movie i don't i don't know <laughs> i don't know if i can defend it but there's little there's bits and pieces that i'm like this is gold one oh, one thing i think that um in terms of things that i'm kind of like i keep coming back to in my head having just seen it is um suzanne voss who i hadn't seen yeah. in anything before this um until uh the only other thing i'd seen her in should i say was um a dementia part two um, yeah. which obviously Matt and obviously there's a couple of people from uh, Contracted and Contracted Phase 2 uh-huh. obviously went on and worked on uh, Dementia. Uh, she's she's great here. Again, I think that the very first thing you see her do when she gives that kind of speech about impermanence and death and stuff like that, yeah. was, um, she she um, uh, she kind of brings a real gravitas to everything. I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that was in the in Craig's script or not, but I'd, I'd like to... <laughs> Anytime something works, it's it's it, it was because of me. But I I, I think that there was uh, I think I, I I'd like to say that I, I shaped her speech to have a little bit more of that. And I also had her kind of improvise a story. What was it? It was a story about how she met her husband, and it was like she was on a lake, a frozen lake, and fell in, and he pulled her out. Oh yeah. Um, it was this real. I don't know if it. I don't think it's in the movie, but it was this sort of thing that was like really. It was a really beautiful scene, and it got cut out. I mean, the scene already is like forty-five minutes long, so uh, <laughs> we had to cut somewhere. But um, but Suzanne, you know, was really great to work with in that sense. I mean, that was something I did. I think with a lot of the dialogue was like, if there was something that was on the page that didn't necessarily work, then I would just say like, okay, just say it as you would say it. Like, let's just get that beat across. 
okay. in more of an improvisational way, which I think I, I think helped and helped uh, kind of at least I think it helped kind of polish off some of the edges that a lot of these kind of lower budget movies have where mm -hmm. like they stick so much to the script where you're like, no one says stuff like that. Why are you talking <laughs> like that? <laughs> Given the option or room or time, uh, is there any kind of strands in there that you would have developed or maybe pulled back on at all? I think I would have done more with, I mean, obviously, like with BJ, I would have had, <laughs> I would have developed his thing more. Uh -huh. I, I mean, uh, we I all we all want the zombie hooker army. Now we know it's yeah, yeah, Now we know that was on the table. We all want it. The kind of apocalyptic stuff with BJ was that was the biggest issue I had with the film. Yeah, was all that real yeah. heavy. The end of the world is now. The human race are a scourge and a plague and a blah blah. Um, yeah, that, that, all that stuff, all that really heavy stuff. I was like, oh, shut up. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I think, I think that was kind of based on because in the first one he has a tattoo that says Abaddon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For no reason. <laughs> and and so, and I even I asked I asked Simon I was like, what's that about? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know why that's in there. <laughs> um, and so I, you know, Abaddon's like the angel of death or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, well, and I don't know if I don't know if I wrote that shit in there or if, if that was already in the script, but I was like, I was like, okay, let's go with it. Let's like, you know, the seed was planted in the first movie of that. So it's like, okay, well a guy who has an Abaddon tattoo probably has some sort of biblical something or other. I would have liked to just generally like shape that out more. And also, I mean, cause in many ways, like it becomes kind of, I mean, it's, it's kind of a mess cause it's like nine movies at once and it's not, <laughs> Not one good one is in the mix, but it's like, okay, let's have this be a more of a detective story, you know? And so I, I had actually written in a couple scenes where I'm like, you know, I was like, I, I wrote a scene where it was like Mariana showing up at the house, like following a lead and there's Morgan and having this little weird standoff of like, I know that you know that I know that you're whatever, you know, like they both would. I want to do that cool like cop serial killer standoff where they both know that they're both who they are, but they can't admit that who they, you know, they're holding their cards to their vest. Like I wanted to do that scene. Mm -hmm. And then the producers were like, well, we do we need it. And I'm like, well, we don't need anything. Like, we don't need to make this movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we don't need to do it. Like I should, we don't need to have this phone call right now. Like we don't have to do it. But like, if we want to make the movie better or like add tension to the detectiveness of it, um, I think it would be interesting. But they were like, they were like, no, like we hit our legal our legal limit of what a movie uh, is, and and we're and we're done. <laughs> but it's <laughs> like, right, fine. It's kind of one of those classic stories where you have like a detective story running alongside this kind of everyman story, who's also kind of trying to unravel things for himself. I, I suppose, a, a, I guess, on a much grander scale would be like something like The Fugitive. Uh-huh. Well, it, it is tricky when when you have a movie where it's, I mean, it it's, ends up being two movies. It's like, whose movie is this? Is this, you know, is this Riley or is this the detective, you mm -hmm. know? And that's a that's a tricky balance. That's like a difficult thing. You know, that feels more like a storyline in a, in a TV show. And I think you know that, what I mean? it's interesting that you say that because I think that the detective strand, now I know that obviously you had some ideas for how you would have built built on that given the option. And I think that mm -hmm. there isn't like, the detective strand. Uh, I think that there's good stuff in there, but I think that the way it, the way it plays out in the film as we get it, it does maybe feel a little bit kind of like not fully baked. I mean, and I'm kind right. of getting an understanding of why that might be. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there, and there were other things too that just got lost. I mean, not that this is like that useful for the movie, but there was like a... I think there's a moment where she goes to 
she pulls up out, out front of uh, BJ's house and there's like a neighbor who kind of gives some information of like, oh yeah, there's always women in and out of that house, um, <laughs> which we just like ran out of time, you know? And again, I don't know how useful, like if that would be like, oh, now this is a great movie because we have a lady uh, smoking a cigarette <laughs> giving us exposition. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what I will say though is there are moments in it when it goes full on Evil Dead and yeah. I guess the moment when they go in and uh, like the grandmother's like the full zombie and she's attacking the cops and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that stuff really works. I think that, that I have no problem with that yeah. stuff at all. Yeah, and I mean, and that's that's like my style, and that's like I don't know if you've seen any of my music videos or commercials. Or, I mean, but but that's definitely like my my zone. So it's I'm hope I have another project that I'm hoping to get off the ground that is definitely like a hundred percent of that. You know, okay, <laughs> sweet. Um, and so yeah, so that's what that's you know there are those like. The grandma moment I really love. All the evil daddy type things are the stuff that were my favorite. Like okay. right. the the sneezing into the mirror and there's blood everywhere and the I love that. blood. And the in the bathroom when he's extract you know, he's like cutting the bugs out. Like there's a bunch of those moments that I'm like <laughs> really proud of. Oh um, no, I, I absolutely yeah. I think the like the, the moment where he sneezes on the mirror, I was giddy. I was clapping my hands in, in delight. He really <laughs> was. He really, really was. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> And I just love the kind of torrent of blood just cascading out his face after yeah. it as well. Like, all that stuff, <laughs> to me, is so in my wheelhouse, and it's so much the yeah. stuff that, that I seek out to watch. And, it, it, yeah, yeah that, that stuff works so, so, so well for me. Um, and I think that a kind of necessary kind of a necessary kind of combined to that is the fact that I think that there are elements of the practical stuff in this film that are kind of gross in a way that feels kind of very gritty and very real, and then there's other kind of slightly more caricature stuff. And I think that it is kind of interesting that they coexist so well in this film. And I think that, and I guess also kind of like a juggling the tone because obviously like some of that stuff feels like a little bit kind of. Uh, exaggerated and therefore kind of feels a little sillier but i think that it does a good job of kind of having those elements without taking you out of the tension kind yeah. of the tone you're going for yeah that's what i was hoping to do was like i mean again the whole thing's kind of an experiment right it's like i don't i've never made a movie before right and yeah. i and i and, and it's a script that it's that's not mine so i'm like and it's tonally is all over so it's like so it's like okay well let's see if this works if we can try and as best we can ground you know, a lot of it to make it feel more realistic or more gritty or more, I don't know, like a drama or something, mm -hmm. you know, but then play out these moments, like, will it work? And I think, I think there's some, there's some that do, you know, cause that's, that's, that's kind of the problem, right. With a lot of like horror comedy, that's just straight horror comedy where it's like, there's no stakes. There's no, it's just like silly, you know, like mm -hmm. heads right, are just yeah, flying yeah. off and there's <laughs> da 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 da. But like, it's like, okay, cool. Like, could we, could we try and make it feel like this guy's just sick and miserable? Like there's part of me that just kind of wants you to feel like you have a cold the entire movie mm -hmm. where it's just like, just a gross tone. But then, you know, that like, how far can we push these gags and, and will they work? And, you know, I don't know how successful I was, but it was, it was fun to do it. I certainly noticed some things, whether it was yourself or the writer that, that had put them in originally, but certainly the, the, the blood falling into the dip. Um, very, yeah, very much that like, was in the script. Oh, really? Yeah. That, that feels very much like a nod to Brain Dead, Dead Alive. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, stuff, happy, that yeah. stuff works for me. <laughs> yeah, and Craig, Craig, who wrote it, is a really is a really creative guy and really um, 
I think resonates with a lot of those kind of crazy movies too. Mm-hmm. And so, and same with the producers. Like we, 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 we had our, we had our differences and like, you know, I mean, we, we like, we have different goals. Like their goal is to get the thing made. And my goal is to, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> just be a handsome guy that has sex a lot. But um, <laughs> we're all shooting for that stuff. <laughs> but the thing is like those, those guys, like they do know their movies. Like at least like J, JD really knows his movies. And we did really bond over that sort of stuff. Yeah, like Dead Alive and, and you know, some Evil Dead stuff or whatever whatever it is, like Cronenberg and stuff. Mm-hmm. So there was there was the, that camaraderie on that on that end. Okay. And that's, what, that's what's tough is it's like you're making a no-budget movie that's a sequel to a movie that's like really dry and serious. Yeah. And the script for this one is so out there. It's like, what do you, how do you pull it together? You know, on, on mm. time, under budget, and, and, you know, not have the crew leave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got to say, Matt's incredibly passive throughout about uh, when he's finding out that, right, he might be clear of standard STDs, but certainly Samantha died of a, what was it, a necrotic STD? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's definitely a case of <laughs> like kind of sticking the tip of your dick in the bottle of Listerine. Right. Yeah, he said that. Yeah, he said that. We've all done it. Um, I mean, the whole thing—it's like, yeah, like this girl has maggots falling out of her vagina. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if that was a thing. Like, oh, you didn't know that every six months, like bugs crawl out. Like, oh. That's <laughs> I did not know. The only thing I think that would put me off more than that is a fire shot out it. Yeah, no, that'd be pretty awesome. Or you screams. Could, yeah, <laughs> screams like just, just, just yeah, just when you when you went down with your mouth open, yeah. it was just like yeah. the vague sound of screaming in the distance, like screaming, that's like a, yeah. that sound, like you know when you're in your bed and you hear distant screaming, and you're like, is that sure. a, is that a fox or is it like or is it someone in trouble? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That definitely seems like a new, like a like Harry Potter fan fiction. I, 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 I have I have serious questions about the standard of sex education both of you guys have. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, Mitch. Well, it's yeah, it's I, it's a, the American public school. There's a there's nothing better than it. <laughs> Mitch sitting there all smug because he's never had an STD. <laughs> Try it. It's great. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Um, one thing. I do, one thing I do think about this film is it kind of moves towards its end. I think that um, it's paced in a way that I think is very deliberate and very measured for I would say probably about the maybe first fifty fifty five minutes, and then mm-hmm. I think that there's a gear shift after that that I yeah. think it's it's very abrupt and it's very frenetic, and I think that like. There was a while where it was like, um, it was hopping around between a few things at the same time. And I think as it was kind of accelerating, I was kind of looking at it. I was like, I'm in danger of losing the thread here because so much is happening. I think it gets a little breathless. And I think in a way that feels really um, like a total counterpoint to the rest of the film. Huh. Yeah. That make, that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably a function of the script or, or just a function of just like, I mean, at a certain point when we were editing, I think I was just like, let's just show all only the best parts. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. Because, like, you know, like in the first one, you know, it you can have all this dread because it's leading up to such a great payoff, whereas we didn't have that. I mean, I guess there was a, you know, a se- semi-satisfying conclusion. So to me, I was just like, let's just get to the set pieces as quickly as possible. Uh-huh. Which then, you know, is my complaint about the movie It. So, um, so I was probably wrong in that, you know, because the movie It like has no, there's, it has no breath to it. I think like It, I feel like would have worked better as a as a TV series because then you would have, 
you know, character moments and stuff. And then it's like, oh, now there's a spooky part. But as, as it stands now, it's like every single one, every single scene is like a horror set piece or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly my thoughts. Told yeah. you, Mitch. Told you. Well, <laughs> so let's talk about the final set piece a little. Um, yeah. Now, we've talked about the fact that obviously um, uh, this isn't necessarily how you would have envisioned it. Um, yeah. Had it been up to you. I I agree that I think that the, the set piece as it plays out is um it's fine looks really good i think that morgan while i'm not i'm not crazy about the material i think that morgan's doing pretty good work here as well but yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that i think that um the way, like i say the way the scene actually plays out given the way the story has to play out i think it's uh, it's fine that is silly though <laughs> what a ringing endorsement <laughs> <laughs> sorry that, that sounded more passive than i meant it to that is, no, silly. It's fine. That is silly with a with a bomb and the machine gun and, and that it's but. so stupid but also too because like we don't like and i'll just yeah i'll just throw the producers under the bus like because they were so into that <laughs> but i'm like 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 you have like there's movies like john wick or whatever like where there's a million people getting blown up like there's no way that on our budget that like seeing six nurses getting shot with squibs, like that's not going to be that exciting. Yeah. They were like, oh, it'll be great. So, you know, we did the best we could with it. And again, I, tr- I tried to make it, you know, try even as, even if it's like a silly punch out, at least it's like, I don't know. At least it's like the two protagonists against each other. And like, or the, you know, the t- protagonist and the antagonist, like at least there's, uh, I mean, even, I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty indefensible now that I think about it. It's pretty stupid. No, like, why are these guys punching each other? Like, they're not good fighters. Like, that's I right, don't know. just guys. Um, was it your idea <laughs> or Aaron Moorhead's idea to grow the moustache? I think that might have been my idea. I think, it, yeah. <laughs> yes, it was lovely. Maybe, it was lovely to see Aaron yeah. and Justin pop up in there. But the first thing that I was, my eyes were yeah. drawn to was I was like, oh, Aaron's sporting a nifty moustache. Yeah, or maybe that, that might have been Aaron. I mean, you know, that's not a thing I can like. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can, I can will within a week. You know, I think he probably had that. Um, yeah, I was pretty psyched to get those to get those guys appearing in the movie. That's what's funny is there's just these little these little things that uh, yeah, like if you're, I mean, you guys are obviously horror fans and stuff, so like you know, that's what I was hoping is like, geez, like if we could just squeeze a few little bits and pieces out of this that people will go, oh, that's cool, that's funny, you know, <laughs> they'll they'll see the charm in it and look past all the. Yeah, of holes and stuff. We should start bringing this to an end, Mitch. But let me just ask you, Mitch. Obviously, we've, we've kind of touched on the fact that Contracty isn't necessarily the film that Josh set out to make, but it's out there now. And do you think it should be seen and certainly be seen in the same kind of breath as Contracted? Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I um, so I saw, I saw the first one. I have I've only seen the first. Uh, I've only seen the first film once. I saw it at Fright Fest in two thousand and thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, contracted phase two obviously like say you kind of you talked about the kind of uh, the difference of opinion um and kind of like the way it was treated when it came out um in yeah. certain circles and things and um and I'm not gonna say that that was off putting but I think that it was also it, it kind of made me curious about it but also um it was something that I didn't get around to until now and um mm-hmm. I I think that um it's uh, I completely agree that I, I I like contracted um um I completely agree that it is quite dry and I think mm-hmm. that um there's an earnest attempt to pull away from that that I think mostly works um, yeah yeah I I think that I think that obviously we've talked a little bit about what works and what doesn't I think that contracted phase two gets far more right than it gets wrong <laughs> yeah. well, I'm, I'm have... all I'm all about the qualified compliments <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't seen dementia two yet. But I've seen bits and pieces of Dementia One. It feels like a similar formula in a good way, which is, you know, it's this kind of weird bonkers like 
it's almost like a B-side. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you've got your single, and then you've got this weird remix thing, like a fever dream that shouldn't exist. Because mm-hmm. Dementia 1 is like, I mean, the bits of pieces I saw, like, it kind of feels like a Hallmark movie or like a Lifetime movie. Like, it feels like a very kind of standard drama about an old guy. Yeah, that's, you know, it's that's not like a genre the movie. Yeah, and it. then the second one is like, you know, it looks just nuts and like shot in, you know, <laughs> in in two days or whatever it was and yeah. made for $12 and like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the entire, you know, the entire yeah. story of that from conception to finished article is incredible. Yeah, but, you know. So it's so it's that. I mean, it's like there's a there's a lot of movies out there to see, and uh, a lot of them are really good. Um, most <laughs> of them have uh, have Thanos in them. But for a non-Thanos movie, I don't know. I feel like it's worth it's worth checking out. Maybe I, I'm going to say I think it's it's worth a, a look. There was a lot of stuff in there that had me rolling my eyes, but I, I, mm-hmm. I think in terms of anyone who likes oogie sticky stuff like I do, there's definitely a lot of stuff in there that's going to get you going because. Uh, yeah, I think on the whole, the stuff that a lot of people are drawn to body horror films for absolutely works and it's there. Perhaps where there's issues in storytelling, that's where it falls down. But yeah, if you're coming looking for sticky stuff, then you won't be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Josh, I want to just say this was an incredibly game thing to do on your part. Mm hmm. To open yourself up to putting your hands up to the films in a project <laughs> that, you're, that your name's attached to and like just saying, look, this is what it is these are the things that i like and i don't like and, and i think that's mm-hmm. absolutely to be commended it's pretty brave actually Thanks. i don't know if i would do it yeah i must admit um uh right up to right up to when we hit record on this i was kind of thinking about how's this gonna go and um right. I, I think that yeah um we've like i said we've always wondered how it would play out if someone did it i um i think it's i think it's very cool of you to do it and i think that obviously when I pitched you um, what we're doing, I think that obviously picking mm-hmm. one of your own films involves making certain concessions about yeah. um, how it was received and obviously kind of like having to be kind of upfront about the things that you personally don't think work about it and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, like I say, we always, we're always grateful for guests taking the time to come on. But I think in particular, oh, I think that you're deserving of some extra praise for just being willing to kind of put yourself in the firing line. 100%. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. And, and, and I don't, and I, and I, I feel. I, I, I feel sort of bad for, for uh, you know, tr- chalking up things to, like, the producers or the writers and, like, not taking full responsibility, um, <laughs> sure. which is what a shitty, uh, a shitty self-serving director uh, like myself does. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think I, I give all the credit in the world to, to JD and Rafi for, like, pulling the movie together and for getting the financing and for having the guts to make something so ridiculous mm-hmm. and being able to like get it done. And yeah. then same with Craig, like Craig, like whipped a script together in like no time. And it had its own personality and had its own new characters and a whole new world. And like, there's a lot of tense pieces and like, you know, I, I give credit to all those guys too. It is what it is. Like movies are hard, hard to get made. And like when the money's there on the table and it's like, there's a timeline, like it was already pre-sold and like, Asia and stuff, and it's like, all right, oh, we got, right. We're, we're we're making a movie. <laughs> you know? So the film so, yeah. kind of ends on a pretty clear cliffhanger, open for a third. I'm guessing you won't be returning for any potential third film. No, I don't <laughs> think so. I do not think so at all. I kind of get. Um, I kind of got that was going to be the, the the answer before I asked the question, <laughs> but I thought I would put it out there anyway. Because again, like in music videos and commercials, like I have a lot more control kind of or at least of the directing type stuff so it's like or if my you know or i have an adversary and the adversary is the agency or the artist 
Right. Yeah. And yeah. and my and my producers are always my champion, but in this case, like they, you know, in many ways they were the client, and so like we were up. And they have a lot of creative ideas of their own, so that was a difficult thing to, to go up against. But anyway, whatever. Um, in the absence of Contracted Phase 3, uh, is there anything that you're working on or anything that you've kind of got on the go right now you'd like to take a sec to talk about? I'm always embarrassed to bring this stuff up because then, like, if it doesn't come out for 10 years, then it's like, well, what, else, what else have you been doing? But I have this, I have a project that I've been developing with... Um, with Jonah Ray from oh, yeah. Mystery Science Theater 3000. And um, it's a movie called Destroy All Neighbors. And it's like, it's kind of like Evil Dead meets Barton Fink, where a guy, you know, a guy has this crazy neighbor that moves in next door that's like literally a monster. And hilarity ensues. He ends up killing the, he ends up killing the neighbor, but then the neighbor uh, comes back to life and like haunts him and stuff. And, um, All right. you know, it's just really, really gross and really crazy and funny and, um, you know, all the, all the things that maybe people would like from Contracted 2. It's like an entire movie of that. Um, and where can people get you on social media? I think I'm on Twitter as at best Josh Forbes. Because <laughs> uh, somebody else, somebody else took Josh Forbes, and that's fine. <laughs> fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck him in the mouth. And then um, I think I'm on Inst- I'm on Instagram as best Josh Forbes as well. And then you can go to my website, joshforbes.com, and look at all my cool stuff. And uh, oh yeah, I've also been doing a documentary about this comedian named Gallagher. That's the thing that's really right. fucking like. Do you guys know who that is, Gallagher? He like yeah, I'm a, I do. I'm a, a, I'm a big comedy guy, so. Yeah. yeah. So I've been like, so like, that's what this, that's why I'm all jet lagged. Cause this weekend I went to Chicago and was like following him around. Right. Um, sweet. So I have no idea what's going to happen with that, but that's, I've just been following this lunatic around <laughs> and, and then trying to figure out where, it, you know, like where that mash, you know, where that fits in with my whole thing. And it's like, Oh, it's like a, a weird, sad guy who's who violently smashes things. And you know, there's more sticky and, and disgusting stuff. So. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> there's a, Maybe there's a through line there. <laughs> so, Listen, Josh, yeah. thank you very much for doing this. Like I said, this was uh, this was something we were really keen to do, and uh, yeah, I'm glad cool. we were, I'm glad we were able to do it, and I'm uh, and I'm glad we didn't have to go in go in too hard on you on it. Oh no, it's fine. Yeah, I, I would have loved it if you did because I'm there's there's no one who's more critical of myself than myself. Well, so, I, th- I think know. certainly you made our job a lot easier by immediately going in extremely hard on your own film. So oh yeah, <laughs> so uh, it kind of removed any 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 worries or pressures we might have had about yeah, doing that. Yeah, <laughs> save us a lot of effort. <laughs> oh, good, yeah. <laughs> Josh. Awesome. Well, you guys are great to talk to. It was, really, it was a lot of fun. Oh, oh, thank you very so much, much, man. Thank you. <laughs> so, I mean, I've got to say, yeah. fair play. Fair play to Josh Forbes. Fair play to the man, and like I say, mitigated a lot of kind of complaints or criticisms we had before <laughs> getting anywhere near them. Yeah, really. uh, yeah. You kind of just came out swinging, and that's absolutely fine. I mean, you, you've got to admire the honesty of the guy. Absolutely, um, yeah, 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 and I think that it's. I think it's. I think that when it's somebody talking about their own work, I think that the kind of the tone of the conversation is always going to be a little bit different. It's going to be um, way more rooted in stories like the kinds he was telling, and I think that um, it's really interesting, but also just kind of cool that he was so obviously was kind of so aware of the things that he thought that the film could have improved on, but also was genuinely proud of the stuff that he liked as well. Oh yeah, yeah, and I'm, I think he's right to be proud of the stuff that he said he liked. It's a pretty good film. Yeah, there's there's some good stuff in there. There yeah. really is. Yeah. Um, there really is. But um, a huge thank you to Josh Forbes for taking the time to come talk his own film, Contracted Phase 2, with us.
us. That was um, that was a hell of an interesting time. Bold. Yeah, great stuff. And um, I guess that's just about all we've got time for for another one. Fear not, though, we will be back, of course, on Monday with another mini-sode fresh for your ears. And we'll be uh, doing all the usual. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking about what we've been watching. We'll be uh, mapping my progress through the Shockwaves 100, taking a look at your feedback, playing Mitch's pitches, of course. Should I just dig out a Shockwaves film for you now, then? It's maybe not a bad yeah, idea. Yeah, it's probably the best, <laughs> best move there. If you want to get in touch with us between now and then, we would, of course, love to hear from you. Facebook and Instagram, we are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can also tweet us, of course, at Strong Violent PC or email scenes at gmail.com. Yeah, and let me ask the listeners a question again. Mm. Are you still listening on Spotify? <laughs> Are you still aggrieved that the episodes don't drop exactly when you expect them to? Well, why not make the jump to iTunes? Why not make the jump to Podbean or indeed Acast or TuneIn or any other platform that we choose to put our episodes out on? <laughs> Are we actively advising against Spotify? Now? I'm not saying boycott Spotify. I'm that's just saying what, that's two strikes. Yeah, I'm just saying that's twice we've had people messages saying that the episodes haven't gone up when they're expected to. And uh, let's just say I'm uh, cracking the old knuckles here, Mitch. I'm polishing the fists for a beatdown. <laughs> Granted, the words of me probably hold very little sway with the, the powers at Spotify. Nah, we're going to bust them down to Sergeant so fast they won't know what hit him. That's right. That's right. They'll make their heads spin. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I think we should probably wrap this up before this degenerates any further. Yeah, but also uh, give us likes and reviews and uh, nice stuff, messages and stuff like that. That would be lovely. Yeah, if you like that stuff. Yeah, we're back Monday. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget that it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chance. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.